0: And welcome to The Contractor's Best Friend Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Humphrey, and we're sponsored again by Caterpillar and 4ConstructionPros.com. Today, I'm joined by our three amigos, Jason Hurtis. Jason is our Caterpillar Global Market Professional. Jason, how are we doing today?
1: Good, Brad. How are you doing today?
0: Fantastic. We have Scott Hageman, and he is our Senior Market Professional. Especially in the area of grade control technology. Scott, how are you today, sir?
2: Awesome, Brad. Good to hear from you.
0: All right. And finally, we have uh, Mr. Lonnie Fritz, our senior market professional overseeing construction industries. Lonnie, how are you doing today, sir?
3: I'm very good, Brad. Thank you for having us.
0: All right. Well, this is an interesting. Podcast, boys, because I will tell you that uh, right now, at, at all seriousness, we know we have contractors listening to this. We want to make money, we want to be productive. But here's a different topic Is your crew really ready for an emergency? You know, I spent just even just this past week dealing with the company and in their preparation of their state of readiness for their crews. They had an incident on a job site. No one got hurt, but it wasn't pleasant. Uh, There was actually someone not anywhere associated with the crews that were on the site, but an individual in a car that pulled a gun threatening because he wanted to go through some areas that the crews had just finished working. So this brought to home very quickly for the owner of that business, that he needed to do more to get his crews ready, even for emergencies. So let me start off with this general question and then we'll drill down a little bit. How might we advise any contractor on getting his or her crews better prepared for an emergency? Who wants to tackle that one first?
3: I'll take it, Brad. I, uh, I think you have to first assess the types of emergencies, you know, that are uh, potential in your area. If we just look, um, from a geographical standpoint, you know, we, Mm. we work outdoors, contractors are exposed completely, you know, are, are you in tornado alley? Are you in an area of earthquakes? Are you in an area of hurricanes? So when we look at natural disaster, those are emergencies. If we look at more industry related job site related, I also want to turn some focus back to the organization as a whole, thinking about the office, the shop the yard right. staging areas and the job site so what what emergencies could we have are we focused on our main scope of work is underground utilities an underground mm. utility customer or contractor has a whole different concern than a contractor that is strictly paving i always say That's those true. that pierce the ground take a lot more risk than those that lay across the ground That's and that meaning staying on the surface it's when you go underground you start getting the utilities and unknown objects so two totally different scopes of work and levels of risk. Uh, there's different risk with each. So communicating and training once we have those plans developed is a key, mm-hmm. along with those processes and procedures. The what if, if something happens, who do we contact? Uh, We talked about in other podcasts is sometimes we have those contractors that are on the road. They're not working in their backyard and really understanding um, who that on-site personnel is that's going to reach out to what facilities, where are the facilities of medical uh, facilities that can help us in the sense of an emergency. So it's really having that proactive plan, never wanting to need one or more of those things at the time of emergency.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, Jason. Can you add to that? Because I know this is such a huge concern, even especially for people you deal with.
1: Yeah, I I guess what I try to tell contractors is repeat and practice. Mm. You know, even though you may have an emergency plan in place of, you know, pick a topic, Brad, snake bite, right? um, You know, a blast that didn't go off right, or you know, a near miss, something like that. Just keep repeating what those procedures are, you know, what the call tree should be, you know, where the medical people are going to be coming in, who should meet the medical people coming in on site, those things, because I don't think you can hear that message enough. Sometimes you forget you have different people on different crews, you have contractors that are are visiting the site that, you know, understand, you know, your site-specific training, but don't really understand the details if something does happen. Right. And you know, that's the repeat portion and then the other portion is practice. You know, actually we go through fire drills all the time. Everybody's trained on how to use a fire extinguisher. You know, you aim it at the base, you pull the pin, and everybody kind of knows that. But what happens if you have a different type of injury? What if you have somebody that's stuck in a confined area? You know, where where are the respirators at? Who should be allowed to go in? Practice those sort of things because I mean the old adage is, you know, if you if you train for a disaster you'll never need to use it
0: yeah that's exactly right, you know Scott, I appreciate hearing that from Jason and Lonnie. I remember when my son was playing soccer when he was a little kid, whenever a, one of the little boys on the soccer team would get hurt uh immediately they were all in, the rest of the players were all instructed just to kneel down and sit down and not be wandering around and I always thought, you know that what a simple process, how important is it and let's and, and kind of follow up on what Jason just said, how important really is it? to run basically drills, uh, for safety issues. I mean, how how does that come back in spades to a contractor if his workers are better prepared?
2: Once again, I commend them for having a plan. The soccer, you know, organization had a plan and obviously they must've practiced because the kids followed, you know, how much of a challenge it is to get kids to listen, let alone when they're playing sports or focused on the sports aspect there. So the plan's a big thing, the communication, the other the thing about the communication is let's just not think of a soccer field let's think of some of our jobs that are miles long you know we're mm-hmm. building roads and how do we communicate i don't care how loud you are you can't scream loud enough to travel a few miles so that's going to be another aspect of how do we communicate throughout the whole job site and then lonnie touched on it but know your employees and what i mean by that is we actually had a training here at Illinois and we had some weather come in and we had some dealer people that weren't used to tornadoes. So they didn't know what to do. It really startled them because they didn't know what they don't know type thing. Mm-hmm. So know your employees and make sure that everybody's comfortable, but with what could happen in your specific area,
0: Lonnie? You know, I think when we look at the the, the contractor, many of that may be listening to this podcast right now. You know, they don't have a large organization. It's not like they have hundreds and hundreds of employees. And in fact, in many cases, when their crews are out there working, it normally falls onto a foreman if the super, if a superintendent's not available. It usually falls upon that foreman to sort of act as the the traffic cop, if you will, during an emergency. Let's give contractors in that. Situation, what might be a couple of steps we could give them to actually be better prepared for an emergency that might come unannounced? That's why it's called an emergency, I guess. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we can't use the word training enough. I guess I'll speak from past experience. You know, just having first aid and CPR training, um, it's come in, in handy, unfortunately, um, in my own personal life. You know, there's been some instances where I've seen people pass out or just trying to understand how to approach a victim and, uh, you know, somebody that is in need of emergency help um, is the first thing. So it, it goes back to the basic training and elevating it and making sure the people are competent you know, that's one of the first things that OSHA Occupational Safety and Health Administration is going to ask. Who's the competent person here? Well, it's hard to have a competent person if we didn't assess their skills in the beginning and then make sure there was training for any areas where they needed extra educational help and training. So, if it does cascade, you know, on through the organization and there's a form in there, um, making sure that they are properly trained, making sure that we have had those toolbox talks, that we have systems in place, processes and procedures in place. So, in the unfortunate circumstance, we have to execute, we know how to execute, we know what to execute. Um, in reaching out for help, you know, having those numbers programmed in your phone, it may not be 911 in your area. Um, so making sure you know who to contact how to contact know the address. Know where you're located, because the first thing they're going to want to know is where are you if there's not automatic GPS coming off of your phone, for example. Um, and, and Scott touched on know your people. I had a situation where I was in the industry of a, a lady, a labor We were unloading concrete barrier wall, and she did not realize she was allergic to bees until she was stung. And Mm. as she laid out, laid on the ground, passed out, and we didn't know what was wrong with her. Um, so you really need to know your people. And, and, you know, when we do training at Caterpillar, we have epinephrine pens, you know, you know, there's bees and things around, be prepared, you know, be proactive, be prepared in case you would need to utilize those things in an emergency.
0: You know, guys, I, I, I've never shared this with you guys. I, I was in construction obviously at one time as a contractor and I learned the hard way, uh, Lonnie, to what you just said, I actually had, it was my foreman of all people. It was one of the hottest days of the year, and he passed out from heat exhaustion. And fortunately, the good news was I was on my way to that job site and was only about two to three minutes from there, not knowing that it had happened. When I got there, there was a frantic movement amongst the crews. There was no leader. And so if I had not been there, I really wonder if Steve would have made it because as we took him, we had, we called the ambulance, of course, I took over at that point point. But when the ambulance emergency room emergency was there and all that, that we took him in, the doctor actually told us that had it been a little bit longer, that he could have had much, much deeper uh, consequences. So that moved me and my partner at that time to immediately implement an emergency action plan that backed up the foreman. And that's one thing I would share with the, with the contractors listening right now. If your point person on any emergency, and I do think you should have one, but if your point person goes down, you better have another plan. Uh, because there's a tendency, unless you have a real strong lead person or someone on that crew that's got their heads about them in the right place, uh, you're going to be hurting on that situation. So I know that's an important thing. Jason, do you have anything else to add on this? Again, emergencies are just that. We don't know when they're going to come up in many cases, but how do you, how else can we prepare contractors to be ready for them?
1: Well, the unfortunate part, I think, with a lot of the stuff, especially recently, is it's it's a necessity anymore. I mean, who would have thought We'd have active shooter drills ten years ago. Yeah, really. You know that was that was never even thought of. And I, you know your example in the opening about you know a gun being pulled on you working a stop and go sign. I mean, yeah, a lot of things happen that we don't anticipate, but then you got to build a plan for. And I think the important thing is that you you do communicate it, as Scott's mentioned. You build a plan for it, and again, you practice it. All right, guys, today, what happens if this happens? You know, Correct. who's going where, who's doing what, you know, you got to keep practicing that and communicating that. So it becomes, unfortunately, an emergency becomes a routine event and not a, an emergency panicked event.
0: Yeah. Scott, you know, one thing that has changed greatly on, for most construction companies is as they do work is, you know, cities and towns and counties, <laughs> they seem to almost make work impossible to complete sometimes. So how does knowing your, your, your rules of, you know, worlds of engagement as a contractor in a community, um, and it could include everything from you can't you can't start work earlier than this time. You have to be done with work before you know by this time, uh, that type of thing. And 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 that breeds over into emergencies and not knowing an area or having a protocol to follow. What again? What kind of advice might we give to contractors to know how how important it is to know the area they're working in?
2: obviously communication you know it's a it's a PR thing you want to know your community that you're working in because a little thing they could really blow up and and make it really look negative for that contractor if it gets carried away and get out of hand so have somebody to communicate just on some of those small things it might not be emergency but some of those small things that communication will also then build upon the job because as I was thinking here the job changes yeah. The, the, the exit ramp might be open this month, but next month it might be closed for work. And now where do we go? Well, we That's right. come out there like a just flying out of that job site to get run, rush and help somebody and realize well, the roads closed now. I didn't realize that. So That's right. think about how the job changes as you're going along. So the plan needs to be maybe not updated, but just reviewed to see that everything still works according to the plan.
0: Yeah, and that's a good example. You know, you just jog my memory. Scott, appreciate that. There's actually a a very large large complex of apartments and condos here in the Dallas area. And uh, they're very, very particular uh, about where you, quote, park your equipment at. They do not want trucks and equipment parked within their area. So literally the crews that work there, in some cases, have to park anywhere from a quarter of a mile to a half a mile away. And in some cases, they've actually had to park further away because of other things that are going on. Well, you and I both know that just sets up unbelievable opportunities for emergencies and what happens when one of our workers gets hurt on the job and and because the truck normally or the equipment truck um, is normally only about 50 yards away now it's a half a mile away so it really does go to what you just said you got to know the areas and you got to be familiar with that as well
3: closing comment here something that uh Triggered a thought here, Um, and this especially applies for contractors that may be working in an area a little bit newer or they're unfamiliar with is be proactive. And what I mean by that is before you ever break ground and and mobilize to the project and get started, when you're in that pre-planning stage, reach out to local authorities, contact the police, contact the fire department, contact the emergency medical service, the EMS. Let them know we're gonna start this project. A lot yes. of it is for traffic control for them. You know, and a lot of that's communicate, especially if you're doing department transportation work and say, this section of the road is gonna be closed, or this is gonna be restricted. Police, fire, emergency, you'll need to detour around, or this area is gonna be restricted. So that's the first thing is communicating for their own needs. Secondly, is communicating for your potential, which are hopefully not needs down the road is here's what we're going to be doing. We have these seven months on our schedule. I'm working from here to here. It is stage this phase. Here's your access and egress points. et cetera, et cetera, and really take that proactive approach to pre-plan for an emergency, reaching out to the personnel as as well as all those on-site processes, procedures, and uh, and then, of course, the walkthroughs and the drills.
0: I think that's excellent advice. And let me just bring this to a close. This is such good stuff here, guys. Thank you for your efforts. You've done a really knockout job today. For contractors listening to this or leaders, hey, let's keep a couple of things in mind. Not everything is going to be defined by that job. File, uh, it may require you to go out to that job site certainly before you even get started, and just take a just take a, a, a perspective of what your what your people will be working in, and where traffic patterns are going to be, and that type of thing. What's the reputation of the area? If you're working out of uh, out of state or in another county where you're not normally at. Uh, these kind of situations can really put the hurt on some of our guys. Our guys may be very, uh, you know, confident when they're actually doing the work, whether it's pouring and finishing concrete or, or putting seal coating material down. But when all of a sudden they're in an area that they're not familiar with and something goes wrong, they tend to panic. So I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen firsthand. So. We're glad, thank you for being a part of us. We're glad you've been a part of the podcast today. Again, my thanks to Jason, Lonnie, and Scott, uh, again, for helping us out. And remember, our goal here through these podcasts, really to help you be the best contractor and leader you can be. So listen to this uh, uh, podcast again, get some information, write those things down, put it to work, and we want you to be the best that you can be. Best of luck to you as you move forward this year. Link to helpful content from CAT experts featured on the CAT Landscaping and Construction Facebook page.